Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Happy Wednesday! Yay! Time for a new podcast. And today is another really, really fun one. One that's interesting, one that is rather a new and upcoming topic. We're talking all about being an empath, figuring out if you are one of these highly sensitive beings, how to handle empath oversensitivity and overload, how to use it as a superpower and not as a crutch or a cop-out. And really, I'm just going to go into understanding what this whole idea of being an energetically sensitive person is all about. On this podcast, we talk a lot about energy. We talk about Ayurveda and how the flow of the dosha and the energies affect our stress, how mindful breath work and meditation can move and flow and align our energy so that we feel more aligned in mind, thought, mood, emotions. We also talk about meditation and the movement of energy. So energy work is really just a common flow in the themes of my podcast. And now we're going to talk about what if you're an energetically sensitive person that you feel emotions really intensely, not to be confused with empathy. Empathy and empaths is a little different. So I want to talk about this so that you have a better understanding, you have a better awareness if this is something that you've experienced or maybe your children or maybe someone around you it really gives a lot of clarity into understanding what kind of environments are triggering what kind of people what kind of situations it really builds a lot of awareness so that you can feel that you are safe around people around places around environments that you can set really healthy boundaries when you know that you might feel energetically drained by a situation, conversation, person, place, thing. I really want to share everything that I've learned about this. I personally can relate to being someone labeled as an empath. I learned this in my 20s and at first I thought, well, this is a really cool superpower. And then understanding and becoming more sensitive to energy, I was like, whoa, this is like not what it's copped out to be until I understood how to use my energy sensitivity, what it was trying to teach me, how it was trying to help me be a more whole, compassionate, empathetic human being, how it was trying to elevate me to be a more evolved, sensitive soul. I just thought this was something that was really more of a hindrance than a really sweet gift. But before we dive into this really interesting topic, I want to let you guys know that I'm opening up one-on-one sessions in the new year on mindful breathwork coaching sessions. So many of us have limited times, our plates are full, but we are feeling stress. We want to take time for ourselves, but we just don't know how to make a meditation practice part of our day. If you want to know resets that will help shift your energy and mood on command, let me tell you, breathwork is going to be your new ride to die. You might be thinking, uh, yes, I know how to breathe. Well, conscious breathing is quite different than just regular breathing. Conscious breathing activates your prefrontal cortex. And when we feel snappy, impatient, when we don't react in the way that we want, when something doesn't go our way, 
we just focus on the heat of the moment. We don't realize the way that we're breathing before the situation even arises is actually what dictates if you're going to have a fight, flight, or freeze response, or if you're gonna stay calm, patient, and be able to access the pause. So my goal for these mindful breathwork sessions is to help you access your pause, to learn what your specific Ayurvedic stress type is, learn your current lifestyle, and help you infuse mindful breathing resets throughout your day, the right breathing resets that you need that's going to help you build your stress resilience and your adaptability stamina so that when unexpected situations, emotions, and things happen, you'll be able to access the pause. So if this is something that sounds really interesting to you and you want to dive into one of these one-on-one coaching sessions, I'm only offering five spots, please email me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. We can set up a 15-minute call so that you can get a better understanding of what these sessions are about to make sure that what I have to offer is a good fit for you. And then we start working together. I've been finding real deep fulfillment in doing these mindful breathwork one-on-one sessions. And I've been finding that people are really learning the tools to take into their life. It's tangible, it's practical. And I feel like this is what I want to spend my energy and time doing for those who want to commit to really taking their practice a step forward. So if you're interested, please reach out to me. I would be happy to talk to you. All right, guys. So without further ado, let's dive into today's topic, which is all about talking about empaths. Many of us are awakening and starting to clear out our emotions. We are engaging in a spiritual practice. We're going into meditation or learning about energy. And we realize that certain times you're able to pick up the energy of yourself versus other people. And you feel maybe a little bit more intensely than people around you. You might feel empathy. You might feel when someone is going through something hard or sad, you might feel with them. And then you realize also when I'm around heavy, dark, negative people, I just don't want to spend time around them. You're able to differentiate that. And as we open to the ideas that we are highly sensitive and in tune with energy, we may realize that not all people feel and experience energy the same way that you might. Many of us have been taught to feel ashamed of the fact that we are sensitive. When we were younger, we really weren't supported. And what tends to happen if you realize that you are someone who's highly sensitive, you might feel overwhelmed around certain places, people, you might feel chronic exhaustion around lots of people. The reality is some of us are highly sensitive people. We are not hardwired like the majority. We feel things deeply, no matter how much we ignore, numb, or suppress, our emotions are on our sleeves. It's really hard to contain, suppress, and really push them down. And maybe we've tried for many years, but they are bubbling up. They're coming to the surface so that we can address, confront, feel, heal, and move them out of our system. So if you found that over a period of your journey, you've become more emotional, or maybe you were emotional as a child and then you numbed it out, and then now you're turning into that and tapping back into that, well, this is a really important topic and conversation for you. 
I just want to share a little bit of my own personal experience with this so that maybe you can see yourself or maybe recognize yourself in your journey and some similarities with mine. So from a very young age, I picked up emotions differently than everyone in my family. I could pick up on nonverbal cues that people would miss. When people walk into a room, I'm often able to sense their emotions. I can walk into a room and sense of someone was talking about me or if the energy's thick. And a lot of us have this capability and this sensitivity if we tune into it. And a lot of it is is that electronics and being connected in social media and being plugged in, we are becoming desensitized. And for many of us who are starting to meditate and do breath work and starting to tap into the wisdom of our soul and our energy, we're starting to tap right back into that sensitivity. We're trying to desensitize all the stuff that's been numbing us out and suppressing from suppressing us from hearing our truth and our higher self. And we're trying to become more connected to that energy of nature within ourselves and within other people. So from a young age, many of us who are highly sensitive developed this skill of being in tune with other people's emotions because it was a survival mechanism. For me, I grew up in a home where the relationships that were modeled to me were highly dysfunctional. They were not emotionally secure, not emotionally balanced. I had one person who would hide their emotions, one person who was emotionally volatile. So to me, emotions were a very scary place that you, it was easier to suppress them and not share them because it was a sign of weakness. But I was always one who could cry really, like really easily and felt really deeply. You know, I was raised by someone who was narcissistic. And so for me, learning how to understand body language, tone, footsteps, that's survival. So from a young age, I could know when my mom was upset or she was on the point of freaking out or having an emotional volatile moment because of the way that she was slamming the pots and pans. I remember my dad's face when he came back from a hard day's work of like when I knew that he was completely checked out and I could just see from his facial recognition, the tone of his voice, that he was not present. And so these signs become our telltales when we don't have the brain capacity and the understanding to be able to process and understand why someone's angry or why someone's taking it out on me. We understand people's mental state by becoming sensitive to the energy of those around us. And so... In our childhood, we would feel things deeply. And then things being in our childhood, we may have felt things deeply, but it got too painful, too intense. And that's when the numbing began. For me, I actually started drinking alcohol quite young, 16. I was going through this rebellious phase. And a lot of it, I took a lot of guilt upon myself. But when I look at back at who I was, a lot of the choices were because the intensity of the emotions that I felt when I was a child, they went unprocessed, unheard, I had no outlet, and so it just felt more comfortable to repress and numb. And alcohol is one of the easiest ways to do that. Interestingly, I started drinking young, but I barely drink now because it doesn't serve 
my soul. I'm very, very mindful about who I am if I choose to drink, what environment, what I do drink, how much I drink. And many times it's like, I just don't feel like drinking because it doesn't serve me. So it's been interesting of that journey when you're numbing and suppressing versus when you don't want to use an external element to numb suppress you could have a glass of wine just for the enjoyment of the glass of wine and then it's done it's not I need more I crave more I have to have more when's my next drink or when can I be with other people and have tons of alcohol so I share that because a lot of us use alcohol and I'm not saying that every person who drinks uses it to numb and suppress. I think we have to individually look into ourselves, but it is one of the biggest things that is used to desensitize ourselves in our society. That's highly okay. You could drink wine and nobody really talks about what it's doing to your nervous system or your emotional body or how it's truly serving your highest good. And then in my 20s, I started to awaken to a spiritual journey. I started to crack open that I didn't want to live as a victim, as in fear, and I wanted to empower myself. And in my 20s, I got this reading done with this psychic, and they had said that you know that you're an empath. When I look back at this, I really feel that everyone in some way, shape, or form, if you're a human being with a soul, you're an empath. It's just that some are more sensitive to that energy and some are not. And I realized that, yes, I am an empath. And from the moment that she told me that, I started my journey with kundalini meditation and yoga, starting to really fine tune and tune into my subtle energy and really hone it and magnify it. And I realized that being in airports was too intense. Staying up late was too intense. Drinking alcohol was too intense. Being around people who were drinking were triggering. As I started to become more sensitive, I felt more comfortable being alone and less comfortable in groups. I felt less comfortable with small talk. I felt less comfortable of just being able to jump on a plane and just being spontaneous. I had to really manage my energy. And it was like, what the F? This was supposed to be like a superpower. Oh yes, I'm an empath and I can, I feel more deeply. But being able to feel more deeply for many of us may feel like a burden, like a punishment. And so if you felt like that, I want to share with you that There are many skills that we have to develop in order for this to no longer feel like a punishment or that we have to only live in a cocoon because that's not what life is allowing us to do, right? Right now, the beauty of it being in COVID is that, you know, we are quarantining, we are taking space from other people's energy. However, the nature of life is that we are in relationships so that we can feel the contrast and feel that disagreement so that we can stretch, evolve, and grow. So let's start with what the heck is an empath? I mentioned that empaths and empathy is a little bit different. So being empathetic or having empathy is more about the ability to understand and share feelings with others. So if someone's going through a hard time or a sad time, you're like, I really feel for you. You can really be in that other person's shoes and imagine yourself in their experience and you could really hold space for them. Being an empath takes it a little step further. Empaths have a visceral intuitive experience in their body where the emotions become their own. So around somebody who's sad, not only do they feel for them, but they 
feel all of a sudden sad within themselves. They could have been happy one moment and then completely drained and overwhelmed with emotions. And you're like, nothing happened to me in my own personal life that made me feel sad. You're able to draw and you're basically emotional sponges who's literally feeling in your body what others are feeling at that moment. And this doesn't even mean that you have to be physically present with someone. You could be talking on the phone and email, thinking about someone, and you could take on someone's energy. So in my experience and understanding of how I experience being an empath, I literally feel like I absorb, pick up, am in tune with other people's feelings, moods, energies. Like if someone says something, I can understand the like the, the impact of it or maybe the emotions behind it immediately. Like it strikes me in a different way. It like I feel it in my body. It's not just like, oh, that person's upset based on the tone of their voice. I feel that they're upset. Like my body feels it and it can feel quite intense when you're not ready for it or you're picking up other people's stuff that you don't want to feel. Like maybe you're feeling okay and you're like, I don't want your heavy energy. And so it's very easy when you start realizing that you're highly sensitive or you're empath. Like You have low energy, you have low energy, I don't want to be around you, you're too much for me. You start picking and choosing who you want to be around because it feels too intense. And I fell into this trap because it's like, I don't want to be around you, I'm taking space from you, I'm keeping my boundaries from you. And we say that it's boundaries, however, we're trying to create a cocoon of only being around like-minded, like-energy individuals, and that is hard to do because life is not set up for that. So how do you know if you're an empath? Well, there's this one really, really, really good book that I think really lays it out amazingly and in depth. And it's called The Empath Survival Guide by Judith Arloff. I really recommend that book. But we're going to go through a little bit today so that you can kind of get a preliminary idea if you are an empath. So there is a difference between empaths and highly sensitive people. Empaths, like I said, go a little bit deeper because you're like feeling in your body a visceral experience. So empaths are those, like I said, who feel the emotions and energy of others. You can walk into a room and feel the energy. That could mean that you're a highly sensitive person. It's not that you're necessarily taking on the energy. You can just read people's energy. And we say that children are really good at feeling energy because they don't have as many filters and layers and preconceived notions and boundaries and blocks set up. So they feel more easily. So empaths have a body that's different than others. And like I said, not only do you absorb the negativity, but you also absorb positivity. So we have an extremely reactive neurological system and it doesn't filter out blocks of noise, light, information the way that maybe someone else's who's completely disconnected or not sensitive at all. So empaths get really tired exhausted and sometimes even get physically sick around heavy energy people. I really shy away from saying toxic people, but you know those people who are not, they're not the highest people to be around for your soul's evolution. Let's just put it that way in a nice politically correct way. Empaths get overstimulated by noise, by watching things that are violent, rushing, overly rushing and moving fast overstimulates empaths, yelling, fluorescent lights, being in large crowds, being around a lot of people with a lot of different energies, overstimulating environments, like being at a club, like I think about like the lights, oh my gosh, that would drive me insane. I was like a chronic club goer in my 20s, but 
thinking about being in an environment with the loud music, with the loud lights, uh, yeah, that would make my empath heart like so dysregulated that it would probably be impossible for me to fall asleep and it would just be horrible nightmare. How do we understand the signs that you are overloaded? Well, fatigue, illness, rushing around, being in traffic and crowds and loud environments, being around opinionated, loud, angry people, um, having low blood sugar, being overworked, eating really crappy food, chronic electronic exposure, um, too much socializing without enough downtime or me time to recuperate, arguing, feeling trapped in overstimulated situations like weddings, parties, airplanes, airports, cruises, being around a lot of people with dense energy. These are all things that are gonna overload an empath. So it's really important for you to find your formula. Low blood sugar plus not enough sleep equals stress in an empath. And that's what essentially overstimulation is, is that it takes us less time to get overstimulated and stressed than maybe someone else who is not sensitive to these things. Like my husband, can be in airplanes, can travel around the world. I think he would take a 12-month tour around the world if he could. I would not. That would be like my worst nightmare. Maybe not my worst nightmare, but not my, I wouldn't be a happy camper. Like I would be two weeks in and be like, all right, time to go home, time to get reset. This is like messing with my system. Some people are just not that sensitive to change and difference in environments or loud noises. Maybe they themselves are really loud so it doesn't really trigger them. But for others, it can. So for me, loud sounds plus lot of people equal stress. Not enough sleep plus low sh- blood sugar equals stress. Too much electronic time without water equals stress. So understanding your different formula of what are those things and recognizing the signs of overload. Overload equals fatigue, burnout, rushing to the point that you're like feeling anxious, um, feeling like your mind is like overstimulated, like you can't go to sleep at the end of the night. That's probably because you've either consumed something, watched something, heard something, been in an environment where it's been so stimulating on your senses that it's taking a harder time to wind down. One of the important things of being able to beat with people and places that are not necessarily going to be the same energy is finding your sense of safety. And so one of the things that I do in Kundalini Yoga, we learn a mantra called Mangala Charan Mantra. Anytime I leave the house or I'm going to be around people, I say this mantra and it's supposed to be a protection mantra that you envision a white light or a bubble around you. So you can do that. And the mantra is Adgudename. If you want the words for that, just look in the show notes and I'll put it right in there. Another visualization that you can do before you go out into the world is envision that there's a ring of fire around you and only what you put out, there's a bridge that goes over the fire and only the love and light that you put out will go out, only the love and light that comes from outside will come in, but any other emotion energy will be deterred by the fire. Some people like that visualization. Some people like the visualization of a bubble around you. Pick a color and wherever you go, this is your protective bubble. So it's really about using your energy of like 
understanding that when you go out into the world, you have an aura, you have this energetic field and people's energy, whether they're with you physically, they, their energy is bouncing in and out of your field as your energy is bouncing in and out of their field. And so whether we realize it or not, if you're feeling like you're with an intense person, get at least 20 feet away from them. That is one crucial thing. Get out of each other's fields. The other thing is that your colors of the clothes that you wear either expand or contract your energy field. So when I know that I'm going to be around people that not necessarily always have the best vibes for me, I tend to wear darker colors. Darker colors will keep your energy field more contained. When I'm at a yoga function, if I'm talking on TV or I'm holding a workshop, Anytime I'm doing yoga, I'm wearing light colors, white especially. This expands your aura to really reach out. And that's when, when I'm speaking, I want the magnitude of my voice to be heard, to be felt. So when I do podcasts or I'm doing videos or I'm on TV, like I said, I want to wear lighter colors so that my exuberance and my radiance and my light can expand and be felt. So that really helps too. Colors have a lot uh, to do with how energy contracts or expands, so you can use that to your advantage. So the next thing I wanna talk about is how to not plead the spiritual empath fifth. So within the last few years, I've watched as being an empath has become increasingly trendy. As we have become more sensitive to subtle energy, we're becoming open to this idea that we're all interconnected by energy, we've been realizing we're highly sensitive and we're empaths. And at first glance, this is so exciting because we're awakening to this idea that we're all energetically interconnected. We're becoming aware that our thoughts and words and emotions all emit an energy that is felt by others. But at a closer look, it seems that there are many people who use I'm an empath as this catch-all phrase for people who consider themselves to be too sensitive, that they experience too deeply and they have to be away from others that are energetically intense, too heavy. When your opinions and beliefs don't jive with mine, I can't be around you. So you plead that I'm the empath fifth. It's this cop out not to be around others who act, think, and emit a different energy than you. And we use it to spiritually bypass our own growth, to stay comfortable with only those people who act, feel, and think like us. And increasingly, I've seen empaths use this label to avoid being around others, to judge others, and to criticize people's ethics or behaviors in that way of being, I'm spiritually more superior. If you listen to my spiritual ego podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so there is this spiritual ego land place that when you recognize your empath, you may have this higher than, superior than kind of perception. And it's like, I don't feel like being around this person because they're, I'm an empath and they have low vibes. I can't stand to be with my mother-in-law because I'm an empath. I don't like when people are too people-y because I just can't deal because I'm an empath. I absolutely fell into this trap early on my spiritual journey. Like you would never tell someone who's newly sober to be around their old friends that they used to drink with or go to bars. I understand that. Early on your journey, it's really important to take physical space from the patterns, the people, the environments, the things that keep you stuck in poor patterns and that might pull you back in. But then as you are spiritually evolving and growing and you're getting some wisdom, 
it's important to, okay, I am going to potentially feel drained by this person. It doesn't mean that you have to be with that person and not feel triggered. So a lot of times when we are focusing too much on what we're receiving from that person and not what we can give and the energy that we're giving, we're going to get drained. We're going to get depleted. Even if we come with love and light, it's like going to that Thanksgiving gathering with your family and be like, okay, I've been doing all this spiritual work. I'm going to be so calm, so zen, so patient. 20 minutes in, you're like, oh my gosh, going back to your own patterns, feeling totally triggered, drained by certain aunts, uncles, sisters, brothers, in-laws, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I not spiritually evolved? What just happened? They totally punctured through all my holes. And so when I talk about giving, like what are you giving? You're not giving necessarily all your energy and your time and your attention. You're anchoring light and anchoring love. And sometimes that means that you're giving that person space. Sometimes that you're being silent. You're becoming responsible for the energetic frequency you are putting out. You're consciously choosing, am I going to engage or stay silent? Is this for my highest good and the highest good of all? And the best case scenario of everyone involved, if I stay silent, if I get space, For me, a lot of times it's like, okay, really reading the energy of the person. And if it's not even going to register or they're not open a state of mind, then it's, I bless you with love and I walk away. Because that's what makes me feel safe. Not being necessarily engaged in a conversation or even holding space for a conversation. And so drinking water, going into the bathroom, if it's like really intense and rubbing Uh, letting water run on your hands. I say this so much because water is so healing. If you're going to be spending a weekend, say with your parents and your in-laws, showers are so crucial. Take long showers, guys. It is going to be healing for you. Baths, showers, so good for you to cleanse out the energy that an empath absorbs into their body. So let's get this super, super clear. If we pick up thoughts, feelings, and emotions and it lingers within us and we judge it, if there's a residue, that means that there's something we need to work out and not blame others that we're absorbing their baggage. If it's bothering us, it's our own baggage and they're just the messenger who's highlighting to us that we have baggage. So don't blame the spiritual messenger that it's triggering your awareness that something needs to be addressed, seen, worked on inside of you. And so often when we see other people who are reacting in a way that's loud, obnoxious, opinionated, or they say something rude, this is a sign that this soul has been hurt and is trying to process their hurt, maybe consciously or unconsciously. The more egregious their behavior, the deeper the pain, and the more to the surface their pain body is. It's almost like they have a wound. And for some of us, the wound has healed over nicely. There's a nice scab. And for others, it's still really raw. You can put salt on it and it will sizzle open or you could scratch it and it's still gonna bleed. And so for many of us, it's like recognizing how to the surface is their pain body and how quickly can it be triggered like just a little touch will be like ouch and they'll like lose it or is it like someone could rub against it and feel minor discomfort but it's not going to throw them off so how do we harness this empath superpower we have to understand that compassion forms when we understand the human personality and behavior and how much pain someone is going through. When we can be aware of that and be able to look past someone's human 
experience and personality and recognize them as a soul, this is the true essence of what being an empath is. Feeling deeply means that you can have understanding and compassion for another person. We don't want to be half a human where I see your pain, but I don't want to hold space for you. I see you, but keep that to yourself. It's sometimes I see you, I may not be able to help you process through it. I can't fix your problem, but I still send you love and light. I still hope that you will find peace on your journey. I will not judge you and add to your problems. I will let you have your own space and I will not be triggered by you. Compassion doesn't mean that you have to stay in a broken relationship or it's about codependency or fixing others. It's just that I see that you're in pain and I'm not going to do anything to add to that pain. I'm just going to anchor love and light by not choosing to join your chaos. Being an empath is the foundation to cultivate a more compassionate reality for ourselves and others to move out of judgment what's the point of being sensitive to subtle energies if you can't also harness the quality of empathy and compassion for others that's the true responsibility for an empath it can be hard to be it can truly be hard to be around certain people in certain situations but it's also a conscious choice that i will not spiritually bypass my growth because this is hard or this person is hard to be around Being an empath does not inherently result in you being compassionate, caring, and kind. It requires us the inner work to do that. What I have come to believe is that our responsibility as an empath is to transmute the energy around us and use the ability to read energy as a tool for discernment, compassion, and learning how to anchor light. In my Meditation for Kids book, we do this exercise called Anger Mashed Potatoes. That when we're in this ping pong back and forth with someone, whether it's our kids or our spouse or anyone else, When you're in anger, you're playing a game of anger hot potato. You're throwing the hot potato back and forth. But at any point, you have the choice to let that potato fall and smash it, mash it. And that's what this responsibility is. I feel your pain. I'm not going to throw it back at you. I'm not going to throw it back at anybody else. I'm going to let it fall to the ground. I'm going to stomp on it and let it return back to the earth. Let it get transmuted out of my system, out of your system, out of everybody else's system. And the only way we can start doing this and harnessing this empath power is by taking ownership for our own feelings, even if they are influenced by others. Heal our own self-sabotaging thoughts. Maintain groundedness. Maintain groundedness. Learn how to center our energy through our breath and slowing down to be able to discern which energies are mine and which are not and how to move energy out. This is all about, it's not that you're not going to absorb any negative energy. It's about how do I move it out in the quickest way possible. And that's why I feel breath work is one of those ride or dies and it's the new kale. I really feel like breathwick is the new kale because you can immediately feel an energetic impulse and you can start moving it out because you're like, this energy is not mine. So if you find that you are an empath, use your hypersensitivity to awaken yourself to your higher self and not stay closed off. Don't stay protected and separated from others and judge others who may not be as sensitive or aware. Being an empath is really seeing someone's pain, really recognizing and holding space and using our breath as the antidote to tap into our presence so we can hold space, we can be silent, we can focus on spreading love and light to the souls who are drowning in darkness. 
This is the true power of the empath. It's not about focusing on what we're receiving and what we're absorbing, focusing more on giving from our soul's energy and we won't feel depleted when we give from our soul's energy because it's ever abundant. It's only when we are giving from our personal energy reserve that we feel drained and depleted. Like we're shining our light, but then it's like, oh, this is getting too much or I don't have anything left to give. It's because we're draining our personal energy. So don't shy away from heavy energy, heavy situations, unless you're really, really raw and new in the spiritual journey. I'm not talking about if someone is violating your physical, emotional boundaries that you stay with them. Of course, in these situations, physical safety comes first. However, when it's energetic, if it's someone that you can't divorce, if it's someone in your family or your in-laws or your sibling and you just, you can't get away from them, but their energy doesn't match yours, you can handle these energetic discrepancies by setting your boundaries, using your breath work to ride out any energy that's not yours and using your own discernment of knowing how long you can be around that energy before you feel an energetic depletion and then doing your tools to help you ride your energy back up. I really, really hope this serves you well. We're recognizing at larger scales that we are energetically sensitive individuals. So this information is so, so needed. And definitely check out that book, like I mentioned, The Empath Survival Guide for more tips and more ways to be able to handle being an empath in this modern world. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And for all my sensitive souls out there, I know that the holidays can sometimes be intense. I'm sending you protective love, light, and peace surrounding you that only love can enter through and no negativity can infiltrate your protective bubble. Love you guys. Bye. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, frustrated, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step -step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.